Welcome to another episode of Back and Forth with Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. My name is John Vandergriff. I'm one of the owners and wealth planners at Blue Ridge Wealth. I am joined, as always, by the infamous Zach Hill of, you know, dietary fame. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, Zach is the operations team lead and portfolio management team lead here at Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, also of Remedy Coffee. Um, but again, we won't hit on that as much because we've got a lot to cover. Uh, we are going to talk uh, with a more timely episode today, talking about the new, uh, newly signed, newly passed, newly created, I, I, very long uh, stimulus bill, uh, yeah. and talk about how that compares to the last stimulus bill that we had, uh, but also what are some advantages there, what are some responses with it. So uh, we'll kind of go in, in several different angles with this today, but I think it will be a good, complete discussion because there has been a lot of chatter uh, on social media about this, and I don't know that it paints a full picture of what's really going on uh, with the stimulus. And, and so, you know, like we had just talked about before this, I think it's good to shine a light on, you know, some of the areas that were um, positively impacted that need to be, but also obviously the, you know, right. things that are, are a lot of junk that's in it as well. So. Right, and that's... Uh we you you touched on it a little bit the extremely extremely long bill so it's i mean 5000 pages or something around yeah. there i mean it is just insane there's no way i mean if you started reading it when they wrote the bill you might be done now right yeah and that's why attorneys have jobs uh, exactly. to make long documents <laughs> that say very little so but you know as we look at that i think the thing that we'll start with that I think a lot of people have already hit on is just the unnecessary, not even any part of coronavirus stuff that's in this plan, I think is something that we all agree should be done away with, but it's all a part of politics as we understand it. Because, you know, for certain things to get pushed through, you've got to throw a bone to somebody else. And so there are a lot of passion projects that are in this bill that uh, unfortunately got kind of thrown in uh, to make something that I think is a very positive thing happen for a lot of people. But, you know, sending money out the door countries at, you know, not yeah. greater amounts. Because, I mean, of this $900 billion, $166 billion is going toward the actual checks that are getting paid out. Right. And that's not counting. You know, some people are saying, oh, more countries are getting money than the American people. Not really. Not I mean, quite, it, you know, it's, it's still the fact that you're talking about that in a, uh, you know, what was supposed to be a relief package for American citizens is already starting to gray that line a little bit where you're just like, why are we actually doing this? Because like you said, I know some people add things into the bill just to get it passed. But we have I was pulling this up because I think this is the most ridiculous section in the bill, which is Section 342 of the bill outlines a statement of policy regarding the succession or reincarnation of the Dalai Lama. Why is that, why is that in the COVID yeah. relief bill? Bill, I, I mean, it's almost to a point now where people are just trying to put things in there that they just see what they can get away with. You know, right. like oh, let's put this in here. You know, just to see if anybody's reading this. You know, yeah. it's kind of like when you had a term paper and you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really do that because I liked making good grades, but you know, some people have been known to do that in the past. So right, but if you're talking about that during this <clears throat> bill, I mean, like you said a significant portion of it is just going to the checks and and giving Americans money. And there are a lot of programs that we're going to talk about that are positives for the economy and for the country and for the people. But the fact, I mean, 
we're sending so much money out the door to other countries. Those are valid criticisms. I think mm-hmm. when you're talking no, about, yeah. we needed, we waited. I mean, this is the first bill, really first relief bill that we've had since we passed the original CARES Act in March. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. We've gone this entire time uh, and this entire year almost without any additional relief. So the, the fact that we're finally getting a relief package, but it's really convoluted and has a lot of money just to international countries. It has a lot of policies like the, that that we just mentioned it's it it really all those criticisms i do think are valid but they do take away from some of the some of the positives of the bill yeah and i think you know just so that we can kind of move on to the good stuff you know i think we would all agree that that needs to be something that goes away and so the only way we can really affect that is either personally running for political office (laughs) or voting uh to remove systems that are in place like that i mean that's it's not going to be anything that's going to affect, obviously, this bill or anything in the near future. But hopefully with, you know, seeing things like this and getting enough light shed on the negatives, then it'll start to curb some of that behavior, right. you know. So, so again, let's talk a little bit about um, the actual impact to most people. We'll, we'll talk about the checks first, and then we'll talk about the uh, unemployment piece of that, how it compares, but also what, what people are actually getting. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, the first thing and the thing that gets all the headlines is Americans who had reported under $75,000 of gross income uh, in 2019 are getting a check for $600. It's the same qualifications as that we as we had in March, but the checks are half. We got $1,200 per person uh, in March and now you're getting $600. Additional boost is that families will get $600 per child. Mm -hmm. So that's a big that is a big uh, boost to people who have uh, children at home or have dependents that they claim they'll get that extra six hundred dollars, but that's money that they uh, expect will start to be released in the next two weeks. Yeah, so that is such a quick turnaround time from we're signing this bill. Trump signed the bill yesterday, I think, or two days ago, mm-hmm. and then we're getting the checks two weeks later. That is a right. very quick cash injection into the pockets of American people. And I think that was a big negative from the original CARES Act is making it dependent on a tax form that most people hadn't done yet. Right. You know, uh, it was and direct deposit information that could be outdated because it was not the most up to date. And then checks were, it was just a mess. And I think that hopefully as we look to summarize a big part of this, hopefully this whole process that we're going through now learned from the mistakes of some of the previous where, Mm -hmm. you know, as we look at money that's being injected back into the PPP, you know, that whole process was just a money grab and there weren't really right. any w- rules. It was kind of the Wild West. And uh, now that there's, you know, some specifics in place, I think what you're seeing is they're in a very long-winded bill uh, starting to put some things in place that make more logical mm-hmm. sense based on what we're seeing our needs from the coronavirus right. Like fallout. giving money for, for children. Yeah. The families who had children got the same amount and didn't get anything for the kids. And the kids obviously... You know, if you have a dependent, that creates a higher a higher need for cash during a time when you probably needed it. So, right. So, I, I think you touched on that. I mean, and that was great. The, uh, I think, I mean, the checks are pretty cut and dry. So, I think we can move on to kind of yeah. Things. And the only other thing is just, I think the phase out the way it works is like for every hundred dollars that you make above seventy five, you get five dollars taken away from your check. Yeah. So, if you're over eighty seven, you don't get anything. It's a gradual or a one seventy four if you're yeah. married. So, so again, you know, I think that's it. And then want to talk because that represents about 166 billion of the plan. Another 120 billion goes to unemployment benefits. 
And I think that that is an improvement here. You know, I, I still think based on what we talked about before, not attaching some kind of COLA, uh, adjustment for different places is a mistake just because I know here in Tennessee, the $600 on top of the state's unemployment was ridiculous. It was great. You I know, mean, if you, you, if you, some people got a raise to go on unemployment and right. then in New York or set, like we talked, we talked about it. I mean, so much where if you're in New York or San Francisco, a high rent city, that $600 didn't do as much. And then now they've cut it to 300. So maybe that's more manageable. Maybe that is more realistic for people in Tennessee. So you're not incentivized to quit or go on unemployment, but then in New York, that helps you even less. Right. But I think from an economic standpoint, that gets some money to people that needs it, but it mm-hmm. doesn't incentivize people to purposefully not right. try to work or you know right. get off of those unemployment benefits. Because I know here locally, you had a lot of businesses that weren't able to get their workers back because, you know. Yeah, me I, I mean, you, you joked about it, but I have personal experience with that <clears> at the coffee shop because we had two people who stayed on unemployment because it was better for them. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I was like, of course, you have to do that. Stay on unemployment. You would make more money doing that. And that's just a weird dichotomy to say, like, I need right. you to come back to work, but it's better for you not to personally. So, yeah. But, I mean, here's some stats that I found when we were kind of researching and reading through the bill and going through this is, um, like you said, you, you get an extra $300 per week for unemployment from the, from the federal government through March 14th, uh, yeah. that $600 per week ran out in July. Uh, so we haven't had any federal boost for, from the end of July till now, um, for the most part, but, uh, now we've got that extra $300 a week for, till, till March. Um, one of the places that that's really going to help is I saw this, uh, stat is that we have now have 4 million people who have been on unemployment for longer than six months. Yeah. And so when you get to that length of unemployment, that's a period where you're talking about real permanent job loss for a lot of people. And right. so this is really going to help those people. Uh, there's almost 21 million people total on unemployment. So, so this will definitely help them. But those people who are looking at potentially permanent job losses, because we'll talk, I mean, we you touched on a little bit, but you know, if you're in some kind of entertainment capacity where you've, you're maybe a, you were ran a theater and the theater is now closed for good, or you had a restaurant, so many restaurants now are starting, we've seen them close over the last six or eight months. And maybe that was your restaurant and now you're on unemployment mm-hmm. and you're looking at permanent job loss or career change. That $300 a week is really going to go right into those, the pockets of those people. Yeah. Well, and it's sad too, cause I, I've seen, you know, some things on social media where New York has kind of instituted the um, can't eat inside at restaurants yep. in the height of winter, you know, in Christmas season. And so you've got, you know, some places that do most of their business with parties and stuff that yep. that's just eliminated completely and the to-go orders are not replacing it. And so yeah. it's one of those where, you know, I think having that built in there, having, you know, as we'll talk about kind of in the second half, some improvements and, and some parameters on the PPP right. uh, to where the money can go to some of the hardest hit places, I think is a, a great improvement. Um, but making sure that obviously, you know, as we look at this, we want to talk about what we're in line to get, but then what kind of decisions need to be made with that. Because, you know, I, I talked about this on, on the radio that, you know, people are like, oh, big whoop, it's $600 each. But I would argue it's a bigger fundamental problem of just being a good steward of whatever you get, you know, because like some people, it, they will waste $6,000 just like they will waste $600, you know. So if you're not strategic in what you're going to use, 
money for it's very easy for it and more money to fall out behind it you know and so trying to look at some options of what to do with this and again you know timing is always key in conversations that you have with people where you know trying to make a good decision with six hundred dollars may lead to you making good decisions with much more money when it comes to creating plans it's just about what is it that piques your interest and gets you motivated enough to make a decision that is beneficial that maybe you've been putting off for whatever reason. And so, you know, as we look at that, I think that's one of the positives that can come from this is obviously, you know, we're seeing from a market standpoint, markets respond when stimulus bills get passed because American people have more money they need to spend it somewhere. Um, But being strategic about how you use that money can have a a very good ripple effect if you're aware that, this is about more than just $600 per person. It's about making good financial decisions. Right. And it's interesting too, this is just a coincidence, but this money is coming at the start of a new year. Mm-hmm. So we're getting into an entirely new tax year where you have, you know, a, you potentially have more options to use this money than you would have it, had this had this money come in at the 1st of December or in the in this 2020 tax year. Well, and also too, I mean, it probably wasn't strategic because I think it was teamed with yeah. like the government shutdown and trying right. to yeah. organize that. But I think it is important that it happens after Christmas so that there's not stupid spending. Oh, of Christmas! It. I mean, that I mean, six hundred dollars would have gone to a Christmas gift right all, away. Yeah for someone themselves. Oh, right. there's a great deals. And, you know, so, I mean, that's what we're talking about. Trying to make good decisions with your money is, is something that's evergreen. It, it bleeds into all areas, not just this check. And so that's the thing that we look forward to doing, you know, definitely on my team here at Blue Ridge Wealth is trying to walk people through those discussions to say like, you know, you've got this account, but it's not just this account we need to look at. It's the whole picture. How does this fit into everything else? How does this fit into your future? And then trying to build a plan that does that instead of just saying, oh, yeah, we're just going to take this 600 and add it to this pile. Right. Well, what's the purpose of the pile? You know, we need to make sure we're having good, solid conversations that move the ball forward instead of just staying in the same place, but really not moving forward at all. So. So, again, if you've got information that you want to get from this website, obviously go into our uh, landing page here uh, where you've listened to this podcast. We'll have information and links for, to you know different areas where you can get more specifics on this stimulus bill. You can also go to planforeverything.com, uh, get some information about us. If you're interested in talking about your finances and making good decisions, that's a place where you can schedule a time uh, to sit down with us and, and you know have some productive conversations and and hopefully move you down uh, the line closer to whatever your goals are. So um, we'll take a break. After that break, we'll talk about uh, some more of the stimulus bill, but also some implications of how to use this money wisely. And that, that will be next on Back and Forth. Are you nearing the age of retirement? Is your 401k not looking the way you'd hoped all those years ago? Retirement is supposed to be a time to relax, a time to live. Here at Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, we strive to provide that service and opportunity. We can help you form a plan that will maintain and grow your retirement savings so that you can achieve what you envisioned when you originally set out on this journey. To see where you sit and what you can do to stand again, visit planforeverything.com. That's planforeverything.com. Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. Let us plan for everything so you don't have to. All right. Welcome back. Uh, back and forth with Blue Ridge Wealth. Today, we are talking about the stimulus bill, uh, but also, you know, some good parameters built around the payroll or paycheck protection program, uh, the PPP, as many people commonly refer to it as. And so, um, so what are some things in that compared to the first go around? I know you have 
kind of your own experiences there that you can speak yeah. to, but um, what what improvements do you see under this new legislation that I think are benefit or that you would think are beneficial, you know, moving forward? I think it's important, like you said, to compare it to last time, because if you remember that PVP was passed and the funding, we didn't really know how to apply for it. People didn't know how to apply for it. And then applications went live and funding ran out within a week. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, they ran out of it immediately and then we had to do a round two and it was so the government has really learned from that experience. It seems like we'll we'll see when this goes live, but is that they've kind of put more strict parameters on that because it was a free for all the first time. It was any business can apply for this and get two and a half times payroll and go. Yeah. And so no was, caps on right. revenues or, nope. you know, so they had some employee caps. I mean, I think if you had 500 or fewer employees, that's how you qualified. So right. really. So you rule out Apple, Amazon, Walmart. I you mean, can have big yeah. business with less than 500 employees. Exactly. So. so that And that was what what uh, was in the he- headlines is all these big companies, some of who were actually doing quite well during the pandemic, were taking the PPP because it was there. And they were getting priority over small businesses who really, really needed it. Yeah. And so now what we've seen is the government has come in and put some parameters on this to try to what seems like help small businesses who really need it the most. So... We'll start with the biggest caveat is if you took the first round of PPP, you only qualify for this round of PPP if you have uh, one quarter of revenue that was at least 25% less than it was a year ago. Right. So for most people, it's probably going to be in the second quarter because that's when we really saw the big shutdown. So if Q2 2020 revenue is 25% below Q2 2019 revenue, then you qualify. Yep. So that that's really, I mean, obviously the target there is to help businesses who have seen a loss of revenue this year due yeah. due to the pandemic. That's the biggest one. Other thing is they've decreased they've decreased that uh, employment employee count. So from 500 employees down to 300 employees. So now it's you have to have a business that has 300 or fewer employees. So now we're trying to get out of giving it to these giant businesses and really you know, like you said, you can have a big business with 300 employees as well, but they're just really trying to tighten that up and really target it towards the small businesses there. And uh, one of the things that I also think kind of dovetails alongside that is they're trying to help sectors of the economy that were hardest hit. And so one of the things that they did is in the first round, it was just two and a half times what your uh, monthly payroll was. Now, um, that's that really is the baseline here. But if you're in the food and beverage industry, you get three and a half times. So now you get more PVP for an industry that has been one of the hardest hits across the country. So they're trying to use all of these things in tandem to say, we want it to have sufficient funding so we know kind of how much money we think we need to put into this, and we want it to go to businesses who have lost revenue, who are in a sector that's really hard, hardest hit, and who are smaller than some of the businesses that got it before. Yeah, and I think, too, one of the things that they put in there is it says maximum loan size for second-time borrowers is $2 million. So, right. I mean, it's it's the, both the employee cap, but also if you've got low employees and huge profitability, right. you know, it's putting a cap on that to where – more of this $284 billion that was dedicated to that is going to be able to be spread around, mm-hmm. whereas one large corporation with a few employees isn't going to take a right. significant portion of the, the bucket. So. And they've streamlined the uh, forgiveness and the loan application because, you know, as we've said before, you, these loans are 100%, 100% forgivable if you use them for the right reasons. And so if I believe if the loan amount is less than $15,000, both of those processes are streamlined. And they're, and they're now, uh, I think they're still debating this, but debating automatic forgiveness for smaller loan sizes. I think 150 so, yeah, is the... Yeah, 150,000, yeah. 
So those, I mean, those things really take a lot of the strain off of banks because what happened is not only were businesses trying to get all the all these loans, banks were trying to figure out how to give them. Yeah, they were like, we don't know how to give these loans. We were, t- I mean, you remember I talked about this on the podcast before, as I was talking to regions and regions was like, we don't know anything either. Right. So the the government's tried to streamline a lot of those processes as well, so that not only are the loans going to the right companies, but we can effectively and efficiently get these loans into the hands of people who need them. Yeah, which it goes to show too, from a bigger picture, like giving money to something doesn't fix the problem. You know what I mean? Like right. what that the PPP before the government was like, here's this big wad of cash banks. You figure out what to do with this and we'll just leave you to it. Right. And then, you know, so it's being somewhat strategic about how you give money to people can be very important. Um, you know, cause like we have that conversation with our clients a lot about estate planning, where if you know that there's a problem and you don't do something about it, like it's kind of on you more than anybody else. Like right. when you're leaving money to your kids, if one of them is a, a drug addict and they're going to kill themselves if they get half a million dollars, you probably need to put some parameters around your estate planning to make sure they can't access that much money at one time. You know? So, I mean, it's putting those restrictions in place, not to be uh, a problem, but to be able to be a benefit to whatever the situation is. And I think that they're doing that through this improvement on the PPP. Um, And it's not going to be perfect. Just like we've said, there's a lot of valid criticisms out about it, but it's nice to see them kind of, learn from the experience of the first round of this and tweak it to try to help and get it more targeted. Yeah. I think one thing too, I'll ask you what, what you feel like is maybe your, other than what we've talked about already, maybe your most impactful or or what you think the best part of the the bill is. But I think the one that it does a a benefit to businesses, but also does a business, benefit to an area that's affected is you know the deduction for business meals is now at 100 percent. so like if companies go out and get business meals through a restaurant they have more tax incentive to do it Mm -hmm. to where they're not just getting half of that meal counted um you know that's not going to mean a lot to you know like it says uh estimated cost is about five billion dollars to federal revenue but i mean if, if it promotes more businesses helping out an area that needs help, you know, and being able to get deductibility for it. I think that's a very positive thing. And I know for us, like we do a lot of businesses or a lot of business with restaurants. So I think it'll be something where, you know, it'll be a help to us, but also a benefit to the restaurants we use. Right. No, that's great. Um, I think one thing that, that I really like, and it's a small part of the bill, but just personally is the $15 billion that goes directly to independent music venues and theaters and mm. the entertainment industry, because that is an industry where I don't, when, I don't know when the next time I'll be able to go to a live concert is right. in the, in a traditional way that I did two years ago. Just, I mean, we don't know if that's going to be the second half of 2020 because those te- things take so, so long and so much planning. It just, that it's a really long process to get, a musician to go on tour and get a concert going or even get, you know, movies in the theaters again. That was, yeah. they, we tried that earlier this year and it didn't really go well. So we shut the, we, you know, you saw Regal open their theaters up and immediately shut them back down. So those, those things, I think when you are looking at this and that's really targeted to small music venues and small entertainment venues and independent theater, that's really going to help a lot of these people who have put their life into a passion and a project and through no fault of their own, they can't have concerts. I mean, yeah. And so they're just, they've just been kind of stuck. And so I think that we see small things like that in this bill as well, where you can say, well, we sent a lot of money overseas and that's not good, but we also have this part of the bill that I think is targeted and really helps these people out. Right. 
Yeah. And so as we look there, you know, we do want to spend some time looking at um, kind of some effects of this. So I'll ask you from a from a market component, how do you see this stimulus bill affecting things both on the short and long term? I guess if you just more of an opinion, because I don't know yeah. that you research that but. no i've thought about it a lot i don't think this impacts the markets at all uh, yeah. i think it's already i think it already has right. markets are at all-time highs so i think that uh what what always happens is uh i mean markets start as soon as we start seeing that the stimulus bill is Being has, has about, some momentum yeah. and has i mean markets just shoot up that's what you can say oh stimulus package as of now i don't think it will impact markets but it already has yeah. markets are at all-time highs we're looking at now close to a 20 percent gain for the S&P 500 for 2020 mm-hmm. as we close out this year. That's crazy. But right. as the stimulus does have a significant impact on why we're up that much this year. And, and same, I'd say, for the vaccine as well, right. just from the aspect of, you know, post-election, the run-up that we saw was not because people were necessarily thrilled about, you know, what happened in the White House, right. but it was vaccine announcements plus stimulus right. bills and those things compounding are giving kind of you some you, gains in the market ahead of right. the events actually taking place. Yep. And, and I think there were three, we've joked about this, but there were three Mondays in a row. I think we had positive vaccine news each Monday. So we would open the week and markets would just shoot up. Yep. And now here we are, I mean, just a little over a month later, and I know people who have gotten the vaccine. Yep. So that was a very quick turnaround time. So markets were right. They were right to be excited about that because now we have people who have the vaccine. Right. And so as we look at it, you know, what to do with your stimulus bill. Obviously, right now, if you've got any kind of debt, you know, especially credit card debt, which is just so like every other debt that you have could be refinanced and, and be at a lower rate. And you can do some things to where you can try to combine some credit cards and things. But, I mean, it's just you're not seeing... Any budging on those because they know that they've got people in a kind of precarious position there. Um, So trying to pay down whatever debts that maybe have come from this uh, coronavirus fallout that you have experienced, I think is huge. Um, If you don't have any debt, bolstering your emergency savings so that you avoid going into debt for any further thing is going to be big and, and not just blowing money because it's in your bank account, but actually trying to use it for uh, what it can be beneficial for, because I mean, the amount of money that people have in emergency savings is not where it should be on, on across the board. Uh, and then if you've got plenty of money in the bank and you just have this money trying to be strategic on how you want to invest this, um, you know, it's a little, maybe a little too late on Bitcoin uh, run up, but you know, but trying to invest it for your future, you know, so that you can get a use of this money and, and not leave it in a bank account, you know, making zero interest right now, but trying to put it somewhere where it can have, as uh, a positive growth potential to it, depending on obviously your investment needs, um, I think is going to be important um, as we look at it, just to make sure that, like we talked about at the the close of our you know first half of the segment, there just being good stewards of what you have, you know, is, is right. we can't we can't blame the government uh, for being bad stewards of this money if we take the six hundred dollars they give us and we blow it. You know what I mean? Right. That's very hypocritical. So we've got to make sure that we're holding up our end of the bargain saying, yeah, we're using this for a good thing. And then as a reflection of that, then we can back up our good decisions with hopefully more good decisions right. in the future. So, so again, any, anything to add or wrap up with Zach on stimulus bill or anything that we didn't talk about? No, I think, I mean, I think we covered it pretty well. It's uh, interesting. I mean, this is anecdotal, but now we're, we've seen two huge stimulus packages. So I do think that that, is 
somewhat encouraging to me. I obviously, I think everybody wanted this one a lot sooner. Mm -hmm. Um, but very encouraging to see that, like you said, if we're going to, you know, a lot of people need help and it's not perfect, but I would like to take the positive spin on it and say, if the government is going to provide you all of these, uh, resources and all this assistance, if you really need it, then I do think that's encouraging. And so yeah. watching this, like we said, it's, it is not perfect and there's a lot of things you can poke holes in, but yeah, and hopefully move in the right direction, right. you know, um, and we'll see what else comes out. You know, we're yeah. kind of making this very timely thing. There could be more money on the way if, yeah. if Trump is right with the encouragement that he gave, uh, both sides of, you know, house and Senate there. So, um, hopefully yep. there's an attitude toward that and, and, hopefully more simplicity in uh, some of these bills and less right. paper. So, um, but yeah, that's all we have for today. So again, any more information, you can go through info at blueridgewealth.com. If you have specific questions, you can also go to planforeverything.com, get more information about this show and other shows. Um, you know, and if you want to schedule a time where we can help you with financial conversations or questions that you have, feel free through planforeverything.com as well. Uh, but that's all we have for today. We'll see you next time on Back and Forth with Blue Ridge Wealth. Investment advisory services offered through Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Madison Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, MAS, and Blue Ridge Wealth Planners are not affiliated companies.